There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Friday, February 22nd. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're talking about illegal spyware used to spy on romantic partners and the role tech giants like PayPal play in this malicious and booming industry. With multiple sets of hacked data, Motherboard has identified a widespread industry for so-called stalkerware. This is malicious software installed on mobile phones that abusive partners use to track their wives, girlfriends, husbands, ex-spouses. Sometimes the companies behind the software explicitly market their products for illicit use, like monitoring someone without their consent. Worse yet, some even use imagery of domestic violence on their websites. But this industry doesn't exist in a vacuum. Tech and financial giants play a role by processing payments or pushing ads for these companies. And now, Motherboard has found that PayPal has been allowing various spyware companies that specifically market to people who want to abusively spy on their spouse to sell its products. For the full story, we've got Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler in conversation with cybersecurity reporter Joseph Cox. Hey, Joseph, how's Europe? All good, all good. How's it there? It's good. You're once again a voice in my ears and an avatar on Slack. Hope to see you soon. <laughs> um, that's that's just how I exist, basically. You know? Yeah, more or less. We've gotten people over here theorizing whether or not you're a real person or not, which I think you get all the time. Yeah, people are pretty shocked when they actually realize I do have a physical being and I'm not just the Slack noise in the headphones. But um, yeah, I am real. I just want to confirm that. Yeah, a Twitter avatar too. In any case, you just published another very good story with Lorenzo Franceschi Beakeri about stalkerware, which you have been reporting on for years at this point. Uh, for people who don't know what stalkerware is, can you just talk about you know what this is and some of your previous reporting on it? Yeah, sure. So stalkerware, which also goes by names such as spouseware, or I sometimes just call it consumer spyware. It's sort of software that anybody can buy. You don't have to be a government agency or a police force. Anybody can buy this for maybe 20 bucks, 50 bucks, or 150. It depends on the piece of software. But once it's installed on the phone, which you need physical access to, it can sweep up all the text messages, get the GPS location, remotely turn on the camera, remotely turn on the microphone. Basically, all of the sort of capabilities you would expect to take full control of a device. And the reason it gets called spouseware or stalkerware is because it is often marketed to abusive partners who have used it in domestic violence or sexual assault or stalking more generally as well. Right. So you have covered a series of these companies. I think 
Maybe the biggest one was FlexiSpy, or at least the most interesting stories were about a company called FlexiSpy, because not only were they marketing this to abusive partners, but soon after you wrote about them, they got hacked. Yeah, so I mean, over the months and, well, as you say, years at this point, me and Lorenzo have been given a lot of databases from hacked spouseware companies. And that includes stuff like emails and then company documents and that sort of thing. But more interestingly, it's um, customer data. So we actually have an idea of how big this industry is. And hundreds of thousands of people are buying this sort of software. Specifically, FlexiSpy, yeah, they're one of the more established companies based out of Thailand. Some of their marketing used to be pretty explicit, something along the lines of, well, everybody uses mobile phones and you can track your spouse's mobile phone to see if they're cheating, something, uh, something like that. When they got hacked and we reported on them, they did dial down that marketing, but plenty of other companies, as we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure, still do market themselves as catering to abusive partners. So this is often used by, as you mentioned, abusive partners to spy on their spouses or their partner or their girlfriend or their boyfriend. I guess most often it's men spying on women based on our previous reporting. But how how is software like this actually installed and what does it look like on someone's phone? So the attacker does need physical access to the device, as in they need to have it in their possession. And they will also need the pin code to the phone if it has one. So they need to be able to, you know, open a web browser or actually do stuff on the phone like an ordinary user would. Some people may say, like, well, that's quite a hindrance, but you have to remember that in this context of abuse as partners, people share passwords. Sometimes you don't have them on the phone. And the attacker and the victim share the same house bed, sometimes literally, right? So getting a passcode is pretty realistic. Once they've got that and they're in possession of the phone, they will buy their software, uh, probably on their computer and pay via PayPal or Bitcoin or whatever it may be. And then they will open the web browser, download a APK, which is sort of an Android application file, click that, open it up, install it, and then that will run the software. Crucially, it will then hide itself from the real user. So it won't just be a big app on the uh, on the app select screen saying, hey, I'm spying on you. It will disguise itself as, say, a settings app or something that's really innocuous or like banal so the user isn't going to notice it. And then that will run in the background, collect all this information, and the attacker or the stalker can then log into, I don't know, myspyportal.com to just to make, a, uh, make up a hypothetical. And then they will then see all the data there once it's been collected. Right. And uh, we've tested this before. You can remotely turn on the microphone so you can hear exactly the conversations they're having. As you mentioned, they can read all the text messages. They can see photos. Basically, anything that the phone is doing can be tracked. Yeah. I mean, previously in the test we did when I was in Berlin and then you were in New York, I installed it on the phone. You sent a text message from New York to the phone in Berlin and that turned on the Berlin microphone. So you could listen in even though you're halfway across the world. Again, that did need physical access to install. But once that's done, you can listen in from wherever you are. Right. So let's talk about your most recent story with Lorenzo. It's about PayPal and the fact that they are facilitating the purchase of a lot of these tools, even though they are illegal in many cases. It's it's interesting because this software obviously exists. Um, it's usually not allowed in the Play Store uh, you kind of have to install it this sideways way. But then when it comes to actually buying the software, you can 
buy it via PayPal just like you'd buy anything else or pay for something on eBay. Yeah, as you say, you can't just go and download these apps on the Play Store or the App Store or whatever because, of course, they're banned from there because these are spying applications, right? But when you go buy it, you will use a credit card or Bitcoin or PayPal as well. And I mean, as we say in the piece, even though this is an underground industry, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It does have Google pushing adverts for um, the software, and it does have PayPal processing those payments. To be clear, some of these companies are already violating PayPal's terms of service, which is when they are explicitly marketing and pushing their product for illegal uses, such as spying on someone without their consent. You will then have other companies which will say, hey, this is only for monitoring your employees, which you know employers can do, or for legally monitoring your children, which again, legal guardians are allowed to do within the confines of the law. And they will skirt around those sorts of um, legal disclaimers. We found several companies that are being totally explicit. I sent PayPal two examples, and they banned one of them, which to be fair, was a much more aggressive company with the marketing. I mean, they literally have an image of a woman with black eyes who's clearly been beaten by her husband, or at least that's what the image is supposed to portray. They didn't ban the other one, which was FlexiSpy, which of course did remove this marketing. And then I deliberately withheld two other examples, which clearly do violate PayPal's policies. The reason we did that, and this kind of runs through our other reporting when it comes to social media platforms and moderation in general, is it's not our job to police PayPal. It's not our job to police Twitter or Facebook. So if we withhold examples and PayPal can't discover them itself, clearly there's an issue with its moderation policies. And of course, that is the point of the piece here, is that PayPal isn't doing a good enough job of moderating its own platform. Right. And in this case, you know, PayPal is giving platform to these companies that are facilitating domestic abuse, uh, which goes against its own terms of service, in many cases is illegal, and has very real world harms and impacts. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because we have spoken to survivors of domestic abuse about what being spied on is like. Yeah, I mean, first on the legality of it, the Justice Department has prosecuted and convicted someone who was selling the software. There was a piece of software previously called Stealth Genie, and that was very explicit in its marketing, and they got him. And he only had to pay a fine of something like half a million dollars, but he was convicted for that. So as you say, this is illegal in many cases. When it comes to the actual applications, yeah, we've spoken to people who um, have had the software installed on their device. In one case, someone who goes by the name Jessica, obviously we didn't want to reveal her full identity for reasons of privacy, but her ex installed the software on her phone and then would intercept the text messages. And then possibly in the, the most egregious part of that domestic violence episode was he sexually assaulted her and referenced the text messages he had intercepted during that assault. And even just stuff like he would text her saying, I see you, because he could track the GPS locations and we think also read her emails as well. So this is real... This is a real security issue that even if people in information security or cybersecurity don't necessarily pay that much attention to, this stuff is happening right now to real people. Can we talk more about that? Because why don't people in cybersecurity world take this seriously or are they starting to? I mean, I don't want to 
paint it with too wide a brush. There are people who do take it seriously. The Electronic Frontier Foundation is all over this. There are individual security researchers who do care as well. But very generally, when I maybe talk about this at a conference or I chat with people privately, they don't think it's that interesting an attack because, oh, well, it requires physical access to the phone and there's no sexy exploit or anything like that. And when it comes to those sorts of people, they're probably more interested in technical details than actual security solutions. Whereas this is a real security problem with people really being hurt. Right. So in other words, this is easy spyware to create. It's difficult to install in the sense that you need physical access to the phone, but there are so many people with threat models that gives you know a potential spy or, or spouse access to the phone because you know they can see their passcode while they're typing it in while they're watching TV together and then use it later or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even say that it is hard to install in this case because as you say, maybe they'll look over their shoulder or while watching TV or whatever it is. I, f- I feel like we've probably all seen or had an instance where your friend is typing their pin in and even if you're not trying to look, you may figure out you know three, four uh, numbers of it. Yeah, I don't think it would be particularly hard in this sort of context for people to get those pins. And the spyware itself, even though it's very potent and powerful, it's garbage. This is made by very low-level programmers who throw a few capabilities together and then just try to sell it as a product. I mean, we also see this when in several of the data sets we've obtained, they haven't actually been hacked from the companies. They've more just been left in exposed servers. So these companies will be collecting a load of data, sometimes on children as well, and photos and audio recordings. And if you just know the uh, specific website to go to, you can then find all of these recordings as well. And we've reported that. So not only is their tool used for harm, they're sort of compounding that issue by just exposing everybody's data as well, which is just truly insane. So I guess there are a few things that you could do as an individual to prevent this from happening. Although if you're in an abusive relationship, that might not necessarily be safe, which we do explore in some of the articles we've written. But is there a more systemic solution to this problem that's been going on? And what would that look like? Yeah, on a personal level, as if, as in if you believe you're under threat, you should, by all accounts, try to seek professional help. This isn't something that an app can magically sort out. If you're in an abusive relationship, that makes this issue really, really complicated on how you're actually going to deal with that. So always try to seek professional help if you can. As for the more systemic issue and how it can be sort of dealt with at scale, well, I mean, Part of it is this PayPal issue that you have these tech and finance giants facilitating, and I would argue personally helping the sale of these technologies. Well, if these applications are deplatformed in the same way that you can't get them on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, well, then if you can't easily pay for them with credit cards or PayPal and there aren't efforts pushed by Google, that is going to, it appears, lower. Um, the chance of someone may be able to actually get hold of these applications. So when you went to PayPal and told them about these companies, what was that process like and what did they ultimately end up doing? So PayPal did what other companies do when you typically ask them for comment around this. They ask for examples so they can investigate. Sometimes this is just so they can fix the issue and then not give you a statement. But in this case, they seem to actually want to deal with the issue as well as um, provide this information for the story. So I gave them two examples, FlexiSpy and HelloSpy. 
they didn't remove FlexiSpy and they did remove HelloSpy. So if you now go on the HelloSpy website and try to purchase the software via PayPal, it comes up with a sort of generic error message. So clearly PayPal has actually kicked HelloSpy off its platform. But there are still plenty of other companies that sell this uh, malware that are using PayPal as well. Right. And we've seen this time and time again where you know, some of these companies have shut down as a result of our reporting, but then more of them pop up. So, you know, you've been reporting on this for two years now, and it seems like the problem isn't really going anywhere. And there's still a lot of companies in this space. There are still a lot of companies, as you said, when we reported on one called RetinaRex, and it got hacked repeatedly, they eventually stopped selling their phone spyware product. I guess the only other way apart from personal protections and deplatforming is perhaps if the DOJ actually prosecutes um, more companies and more people. I mentioned that the DOJ did convict one company and seller of this malware, but that's it. As far as I know, they've only actually prosecuted one. And the skeptic in me believes that's only because the malware was used actually on a police officer's phone, when there are actually hundreds of thousands of people across the world and in the United States who are still facing this sort of malware every day. Well, thank you for reporting on it. I think it's an important topic. And if you liked this episode, you can listen to Cyber, which is Motherboard's cybersecurity and hacking podcast. Joseph is on it a lot. I'm on it a lot. We talk about all sorts of hacking and infosec related things. So maybe we'll see you over there. You can read the full story at motherboard.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening, and tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.